I am also recording. Testing. One, two. All right. So let's sync sideways. Three. Okay, so two. No, that's not sideways. All right. Sideways, sideways just be two. 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 <laughs> wait, wait, hold on. You're fucking up the sync. All okay, right. You, go ahead and, you, you start the sync. Oh, yeah. I forgot. Sync. We don't actually like hear each other speak at the same time. Uh, Sync sideways. Two. 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 Sideways. False. Okay. Um, now you begin. Now, I bet <laughs> you Austin will include all of this on here. It's going to be like the shittiest podcast since the first one. Yeah. Welcome to the shittiest podcast since the first one. Hey everyone, welcome to TryGames.net Podcast. One say, oh wow, I totally lost all my energy in one quick shot. Ha ha. I, I am not your usual host, Austin. I am the uh, one-off host, Pete. And I'm not using silly nicknames, even though nicknames are cool. And Riven. I am only joined, ah, I am only joined this week by one, um, I'm not going to call you a lovely lady because Austin makes that joke all the time. So I am going to call you a gentleman. Oh, I'm isn't that one sweet. gentleman. Who 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 are you, sir? I am Al. I am normal co-host of the TryGames.net podcast, and now I am also the normal, unofficial co-host of the TryGames.net podcast, unofficially hosted by Petey. Oh yeah, that's me. All right, so I guess we'll just kick stuff off. Austin's not here this week, obviously, so we're just gonna we have like no actual game plan for this podcast. We're just gonna talk. That's the best and type. Yes, it is actually. I think we should start by talking, uh, kind of recapping anything that happened from PAX. Uh, this is our, this is our not official post PAX podcast. You said it slow. Okay, go ahead. You say it. It is the unofficial post PAX podcast. Actually, I po- had to think about that one. Post PAX podcast. Post PAX podcast. Say five times fast. Pedophile. What? Whoa. Um, so yeah, uh, if anybody listened to 169, uh, congratulations for making it through it with the quality the way it was. Obviously, you know, it was, uh, I wouldn't say spur of the moment, but it was very low tech and we just wanted to record something. So we got something out there and yeah, the quality is not the best, but it, I thought it was funny. And, uh, but for those who may not have listened because of the quality, I guess, recap anything important, even if it was, uh, even if we mentioned it in 169. So I'll just. Kick it off. Talk about anything important to you from PAX and your past ex- PAX experience and stuff like that. Okay. Um. Well, I'll tell you, tell you one thing. Um. This entire week has been completely screwed up because of PAX. Um. I, I kind of felt that PAX withdrawal that everybody else seems to have felt as well. Hell yeah. Um. But some of my most memorable moments, I guess. Let's see. Um. I think I mentioned. <clears throat> At the during PAX podcast, um, something I can't even remember. It's it's like <laughs> I, things just go by. There's so much stuff going on I can't remember. But I say plus we were drunk during that podcast. Yes, and that was a good experience. Um, <laughs> well, I'll have to say that uh, doing the Rock Band tournament and singing on the Rock Band Free Play stage were one were a couple of my best moments. Um, oh, I remember it was playing Double Dragon 2. That's what I said during the, uh, during mid-PAX podcast. 
And um, yes, that was also really fun because it, it was just something that I used to do when I was young, and I have some really great memories of that game, and um, including that there's the rock band stuff, which was absolutely wonderful. Um, some stuff I didn't talk about because it happened the day after. Uh, I went to the Jam Space section where they play uh, chiptune stuff, and they actually had a, a jam session where you could actually like just pick up instruments and jam, I guess. I kind of walked yeah. by it. I didn't really see it. But I went in, and they had a chiptunes concert the final day. And it was really interesting. Like, I've never really heard chiptunes music, like just original stuff. But um, listening to the two artists that I listened to, I can't even remember who they were. Because the first one, I kind of walked in on his last song. And the second guy, his name just escapes me. But uh, they had, like, all different kinds of genres of music. Like, they had... um, chiptune hip-hop like while they were doing the intermission between the two artists that i listened to they had played uh still dre from dr dre on his uh, 2001 album in chiptunes and i thought that was absolutely amazing just to hear it in that type of uh with those types of instruments i should say um there was also chiptune dance music and there were people jumping around dancing raving or whatnot which was really cool because of all the flashing lights and uh <laughs> the like visualization that they had on the wall they the second guy who was playing had a lot of matrix themed stuff going on in the background while he was playing his music and there was also like chiptune rock and uh <clears throat> kind of like rock to hard rock not exactly like heavy metal but it was really cool uh rock music with the chiptunes and uh I think that was all I really did on Sunday. I did the chiptunes thing. I also uh at two thirty, what did I do? I think oh, did some more singing, rock band, uh free play stage. And um that was pretty much all I did, I think. Um if I remember I'll talk about it later. Okay. But um uh, oh, I, I just wanted to mention like, one more thing. Um, the, you know, throughout the entire weekend, I think I was only in the, the queue room, which is like the, the massive double room area where they put all the major lines like twice. Right. And the second time was on Sunday morning. And it was just like unbelievable. The amount of people like waiting just to get in. Yeah. That is what I forgot what I was going to mention. I was also sitting on the panel for uh, getting into the games industry, which had um a couple of well it was four people who were the panelists and one was a PR uh CEO I think she was CEO of her own PO, P- PR firm um there was a, a QA manager uh another manager from um I think it was Topware or Topwire I forget what it is but I know the QA guy was from Turbine which was located in Massachusetts and the fourth person was AJ Glasser, who used to write for Kotaku, and now she writes for GamePro. And that was good, um, although I didn't really get anything out of it because most of the stuff that they recommended to the people who were asking questions, I already knew. Uh, it seemed to be more of a QA of how to get into the games industry like when you're young and it's your first time and you don't really have any attachments. Although people were asking questions about, well, I have a mortgage and a family and I really want to get into the industry, what should I do? But I already knew those answers. It was like, you know, you really have to make a 
serious decision about it because you're no matter what you do, you're gonna have to go in through the front door and take a pay cut. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think that's pretty much all I have to say about packs at the moment. So I'll pass it over to you. Okay. Um. Well. Uh, I guess I'll start by talking about Sunday, but I might reiterate some stuff that we talked about in our mid-packs podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for Sunday, I uh, what did we do? Man, we got one, me and Des wound up getting there later than we wanted to because I wanted to be there right for when it opened. And just the weekend is as much fun it is. It's it's tough to like really just go from beginning to end each day and like go off for like three hours of sleep at night maybe because i'm so old now i mean i probably used to be able to do that but uh yeah so we wound up just like accidentally sleeping in on sunday (laughs) uh and uh we did get over there uh to it was enough time to do a few things i i went and tried the game joe danger which uh was on the expo floor uh the show floor whatever where like all the all the other companies publishers and whatnot are uh you know showing off the games um so Joe Danger is a uh, upcoming PSN title, which it it kind of threw me off, and it kind of sucks because they they had their demo kits with uh, 360 controllers. There was one with a PS3 controller as well, but I played it with 360 controller, mm-hmm. and so now when that game does eventually come out, and I'm gonna want to buy it, I'm gonna end up getting I'm gonna be saddened by the fact that I have to use the PS3 controller. Ah, uh, I'll have to uh, get one of those Ben Heck 360 PS3 things. Uh, for those who don't know, it's a uh, this this guy, modern hacker guy, Ben Heck, had uh, a long time ago put the PS3 innards into a 360 controller and gave detailed instructions for how to do it, or will sell them himself. But uh, so basically, let you use a 360 controller on the PS3, um, which is kind of cool. But anyway, as for the game, Joe Danger, uh, I mentioned this on the on the other podcast that it's basically a mix of Excite Bike, um, Trials HD, or just Trials, uh, and little big planet like with its plane shifting mechanic because what you are it's uh if you imagine excite bike but in more 3d polygonal form with uh high definition graphics and kind of a like a, a cartoony art style um and then uh throw in uh the like okay it's i don't it's <laughs> it's got like the 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 it's a three-lane racetrack or whatever you know straight across to uh side scrolling or whatever and it's got objects or uh what is the word i'm looking for um when there's stuff in your way um obstacles, obstacles. Oh, De- yeah des is over there saying obstacles <laughs> uh yeah it's got obstacles that uh unlike unlike uh excite bike where it's just like you know simple ramps or things like that this is like stuff kind of like piled up in ways like if like in the way that trials hd's tracks are laid out uh where it's like you I'm trying to think of examples like loop de loops and um oh, just right. like I've uh yeah and like uh ramps t- pile on tops of like loose tires or something like that or jumping over a bunch of cars or things like that um and then since it's a three lane track it at points during the track there are these uh set pieces where like it can lane shift you I don't know if you can lane shift yourself I think there's different modes in the game there's puzzle mode and race mode and things like that so I think mm-hmm. in a race mode you can lane shift yourself. Um, and in a puzzle mode, you have to wait for these objects to come up that, like, allow you to lane shift. But either way, uh, I, w- I got to, I got to play the game, and it also reminded me of other games, games like Grip Shift, because, uh, Grip Shift is a, like, arcade puzzle kart racing type of game. Uh, a lot of the levels in Grip Shift, you are going around collecting coins or letters to spell out a word or something. Um, 
sort of like in I, I keep I keep referring to other games, but uh, <laughs> sort of like in to- the Tony Hawk games when you would collect go around a level and collect skate or something like that. Okay. Um, so anyway, Joe Danger has this element in it where you're trying to uh, there's things where it, different goals to reach, like a coin dash. You want to try to get through the level as quickly as possible and gather all the coins. But then there are le- uh, wor- letters s- s- scattered throughout the uh, the level that spell out a word. I don't remember what the word was. If it was danger, oh, okay, it was danger. Um, so for anyone who listened to the other podcast, that's Des in the background shouting out words. <laughs> you can hear her. I don't know. Hi, um, <laughs> hi Des. Al says hi. Um, so uh, yeah, you can collect these letters at- to complete a goal. I'm sure there's like a just like a basic time attack goal. You know, past the finish line a certain amount of time, things like that. Uh, so yeah, Joe Danger has elements of grip shift, which like, those are the elements I just described. Um, (laughs) uh, and then the, the trials part comes in with the fact that like, there's, uh, these little springs, which the guy said that they have springs and loops in there. The, they made their game based on the fact it's a small team and that each of them were inspired by different games. And he said the springs and loops come from games like Sonic. Mm -hmm. Uh, the, whoever put those in was like, really like the idea of just like, you know, blasting through a level and then doing all these like roller coaster type things. Um, but every month, like the fact that you hit these springs and do the, hit these loops and things like that, and then have to, uh, in the air. Oh, okay. It's not true physics because you can go forward and backward in the air based on acceleration and brake. Um, but, uh, that's where you, your puzzle solving comes in. Cause you're like using the game's physics to try to figure out the best way to like, you know, get those coins or get those letters or whatever. Uh, it's a really fun game. Um, I didn't want to stop playing. We actually, at the time I went to go see it, uh, we were about ready to head to the queue line, the queue room, whatever, to, excuse me, get in line for the Penny Arcade signing mm-hmm. so I can get my book signed and whatnot. And I wound up like cutting us really close to when we had to go because I didn't want to stop playing the demo. And the guy was just happy to keep showing me level after level. It also has a level editor um, where you basically again sort of like a little big planet type thing you kind of just drop things into the, it, well it's not as complicated as little big planet it's very simple in the fact that you just kind of um you, you like i said you just drop things into the level you're kind of racing along a, an empty track i guess it's more like excite bikes level editor uh in the fact that you're just dropping your pieces and then you can like test it real quickly by going but this has a lot of variance in it's in its uh items that you can put into the world mm-hmm. and it's it sounds like the level editor actually is really simplistic but could be could make some complex levels uh that's a, a, pro, a big problem with level editors in games is that they're overly complex trials hd has a level editor i played with it for about five minutes and i was like yeah i'm never going to really make anything good unless i put like hours into this uh joe danger's level editor reminds me a lot of mod nation's level editor which is the psn game that i don't think came out yet uh mod nation racers that's the yeah, psn one right mm-hmm yeah, that's the one where basically uh, you just create a level as you're driving, um, and it's like a kart racer thing. Uh, so, like, yeah, Joe Danger just seems like a really fun, accessible, simplistic game that anyone who's into all the games that I mentioned will probably like. Um, I'm definitely going to be buying it whenever it comes out, even though it's PSN exclusive. Uh, kind of makes me sad, because that would be a good 360 game. Uh, they do also have, like, you know, the leaderboards, and it shows you... I think it's the guy said it shows you right there, you know, like what your friend scores were and stuff in the way that Trials HD did, where 
if you complete a goal or something, it'll like immediately show you how your friends did on it or whatever, which was when playing trials was a big incentive for me to keep going and going and going to try to beat my friends' scores. Yeah. I don't have many friends on my PlayStation, so, you know. You got I'm, me. I got you, and hopefully <laughs> you'll get the game, and then I can just be like, Hi, I beat you with this. And I'll be like, um, oh, yeah, well, I beat you with this. <laughs> sounds like a, a war. It's like, I beat you with a bat. I beat you with a stick. <laughs> Lasers. Um, <laughs> pew, pew. So, yeah, aside from that game, what else did we do? Uh, I went and saw the Mega 64 guys, which I don't remember if I mentioned on our mid-packs recording, because I know we all went on Saturday yeah, and saw them did. together. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got I bought a few of their DVDs and had them sign and uh, asked Rocco to be funny, and he just stared yeah, at us when we laughed. Yeah, you did mention that. Was, that. I think I was, you, had, you, you said that you had asked Rocco to be funny, and then we yeah. were talking about how he wasn't trying to be funny. And he yeah, was and then we all just laughed. He was just like, what the fuck are you talking about? And we all laughed. Um, that was that was pretty funny though. Yeah. Uh, I, I in the moment, anyway. Well, I didn't trade, but I had connected my Pokewalker Walker to uh, I don't know the guy's name, but the the dude with the the dreads. Oh right, yeah. I, I think I I, I want to say his name's Brandon, but I don't know if that's right, and I don't want to be wrong. Okay. So so we won't I say didn't that. I didn't say that. Tall dude with the dreads in Mega yeah. Sixty Four. I traded. Pokemon. <laughs> I didn't trade Pokemon, but we met Pokemon up in the Pokewalker Walker, and it was fun. Yes. Yeah. Um. And then uh, I uh, well, I actually wound up going back to them Sunday because I wanted to get my version 2 disc, which I already owned, signed. And then actually, uh, just jumping ahead, Des and I wound up watching some of version 2 Sunday night because uh, after PAX was over and stuff. And she had never seen Mega 60. It was actually funny. We uh, at, at PAX, they gave out in, in their Welcome to PAX swag bags, they gave out decks of magic cards. Mm-hmm. So we actually kind of spent the weekend make, accumulating the different colored decks. So we got one of each color. Although we're missing a blue card, so we're kind of pissed about that. Um, but uh, yeah, Sunday night we came home from PAX and we wound up sitting on our bed playing magic and then watching Mega 64. It's fucking awesome. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, it's funny because she had never seen it before, but she was getting into it. And where they actually... Uh, do a lot of their stuff. It she had been there, like I guess it's someplace in California, Huntington Beach or something out in California, mm-hmm. mostly around San Diego and something. She's saying Southern California. Okay. Um. So anyway, yeah, we wound up doing that. She like recognized the places, so she was getting into it and stuff. So yeah. Uh, what else? Uh, went to the Penny Arcade signing, like I said. Uh, actually wound up the the cool thing about PAX is we we like met some people like just randomly which is a good thing like that pax kind of you know enables that you to just meet fellow gamers and like kind of make new friends and we actually met this guy who also lives uh actually kind of close to us here in massachusetts we just like the saturday night we played some board games which we talked about in the other podcast and this guy and his friend sat down and were playing with us um and then Sunday when we when we get into the penny arcade when we went to get into the penny arcade signing line this guy was like right there in front of us like we were like we're walking up we're like hey it's that dude so we went and sat down with him and talked with him and that's when we found out he actually apparently worked at Harmonix and worked at other places and stuff as uh, I guess a QA or maybe some other area maybe some other um areas of fields or whatever uh and so we played magic with him and talked and like I said he's from Massachusetts so like uh like got him on my xbox live now and stuff and that's cool and like yeah it's just it's interesting how you just like meet total strangers and like form those friendships or whatever Mm -hmm. um and what else uh that may have actually been pretty much all we did sunday because after the signing i think we we wandered around for a little bit to try to find more free stuff des was all about the swag (laughs) (laughs) uh so we wandered around and eventually we had to go to the closing ceremony which 
we weren't sure what it was going to entail. And we uh, got in line for, we ended up, one, I think we had to line up about like an hour or two, before, maybe like an hour and a half before the actual thing started. Uh, oh, here's a side story. When I went and got uh, my stuff signed by Penny Arcade, I had a bunch of stuff I wanted signed. I had uh, three Penny Arcade books. Um, I have all their books, but I had three in hardcover. And I had the skate deck that I won from the skate thing. Right. Um, and then I had my Mirror's Edge bag and my PAX badge. And my skate deck and PAX badge were already signed by Tycho because we had ran into him randomly on Saturday. And so I had him sign those two things. And then I was planning on getting, you know, everything else signed. Like, just basically having both of their signatures on everything that I just – everything I just listed. Mm-hmm. So when we got up to the line, I was, like, kind of nervous and stuff. Um, and I was just, like – the line was long and, like, I I'm not – I felt bad about having so many things signed as it was, and I didn't want to hold anybody up. So, like, I had them sign my books and then walked away, and I completely forgot to have them sign my bag. Oh, I had them sign the skateboard, too. Well, I had Mike draw something on the skateboard. I had him draw a drunk div on there for me. <laughs> um, but I completely forgot to have them sign my bag and have Mike sign my PAX badge. So I walked away, and then later in the day, like, after, as soon as we left the room, I was like, fuck, I forgot to have them sign it. And I was considering getting back in line to have them sign it, but... Uh, they had closed off like entry to the line. So uh, later when we went to queue up for the closing ceremony, they were still actually signing stuff because uh, the line was still dwindling down from where they had ended it. And uh, one of the enforcers was standing there. Oh, I had a uh, I, all day Sunday. I had the sign taped to me because I was trying to get rid of some uh, some stuff. Uh, I wanted to buy the I'm, my stories are just r- running into each other. I'm they sorry. They sure as hell are. <laughs> Go I wanted to it. buy the Rooster Teeth uh, series box set for Red vs. Blue because uh, I really like the original series, like the first hundred episodes or whatever they did. I like the series. I, I know they're still doing Red vs. Blue stuff, and I'm sure it's still hilarious, but I really kind of haven't been into it since this the series of, like had unofficially officially ended or whatever. Um, I think what happened was they officially ended it and then probably weren't being successful with other stuff, so they just started doing Red vs. Blue stuff again. That's my theory on why it's still going. Uh but either way, the original series, the uh, original 100 episodes, uh, came, they put into a box set with extras and whatnot. And I really won it, and it was 60 bucks at the show, and I could have had them sign and stuff. But because I had bought books from Will Wheaton, who I had I had, had – go- man, my stories really are running into each other. Damn. I, uh, you just the first in. day on Friday – well, see, everything needs context. Sure on it does. On Friday – I went after Will Wheaton and Will Wheaton's keynote and Penny Arcade's Q&A session. We got in line to have Will Wheaton sign a book of his that I had. And when I got there to have him sign it, he had two other books. And I am impulsive. So I was like, fuck it. I'll take those two books too. And the two books wound up being $45. <laughs> so that that was rather expensive. And I, honestly, if I had known they were going to be that expensive, I probably would have passed on them since I already had a book that I had him signing. But uh, I wasn't obviously after he had already signed them and I was about ready to pay. I wasn't going to be like, whoa, I don't want to I don't want to buy them anymore. So, uh, yeah, bought those books. So then anyway, so then that kind of cut into a big portion of my packs budget. And so when I decided I went to the Rooster Teeth thing, I was like, well, I probably can't really afford it right now. Or it's 60 bucks is a lot of money, like considering I just spent all this other money on our stuff. So on Sunday, I had a t- sign tape to myself that was offering some stuff for sale or trade. Um to try to somehow get a way that I could get this series box set. I had stuff on there like this God of War 3 art book that I got from Sony's Move event that I went to on the Thursday before PAX. Uh Um, (laughs) (laughs) Uh-oh. MLB 10, the show, uh, sealed for PlayStation 3, because I got that also on uh, the Sony Move thing. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and uh, Aviva Pinata 360 faceplate, which I've, has been sitting around forever. I love the game, but I haven't like I had the faceplate on my original 360. But since I'd gotten rid of that and then like wound up eventually getting one with Dez and whatnot, I never actually put it on it. So it's just kind of been sitting around. I figured, you know, it, I don't know if it's freely available anymore, but somebody might want it and be willing to pay for it. True. So I was walking around with the sign tape to me and to get back into the story, when I went, we went to the PA, uh, not PA, the closing ceremony, closing ceremony queue line, this enforcer saw the sign. I was like, dude, what's the God of War thing? And I was, I, at first, I didn't know what he was talking about. Like, what, what are you talking to me? He's like, the sign. <laughs> I was like, oh, right, the art book. So I showed him it and stuff. And uh, he asked me, like, he asked me what, he, what I wanted for that and for MLB and stuff. And I said that I really wanted cash because I wanted to buy something. But, you know, what did he have for trade? All he had was a few signed things that I didn't really care about. I think they were from uh, X Player or whatever. And I don't really care about X Player G4. Um, so, uh, like, he didn't really want to give me any cash. And so we were going to just part ways. But I was like, dude, I'll tell you what. I will give you the God of War 3 art book for free if you'll take my bag over and have the Penny Arcade guy sign it. And he wasn't sure if he could do it or not, but he was like, he was just like, fuck it, I'll do it. So he took my bag, which in retrospect had me a little bit nervous. I was I was really worried that he was going to just be like, fuck it, I'm just going to take all this guy's shit. Mm-hmm. But, when you're in a um, public place, like you're in a queue room, right? Yeah, but he could just he could have easily left the queue room through another means and just like was like, I got his bag full of all his shit. You're be like, that motherfucker! Like that, well, not really, but like that dude who tried to steal code from the game. Although he. Yeah, we could talk about that later. I, I don't really know too much about it, but I, I just. I have some, some basic info. Okay. Uh, but anyway, yeah, no, he was cool. He went and got the bag signed for me and then came back and I gave him the book. And that was that was really cool of him. So I got my bag signed. Uh, I also had my bag signed by some of the bands I were playing, like the Proto Men, Anamanaguchi, Jonathan. Oh no, not Jonathan Colton, Colton, because he had already left Pax. Uh, MC Front a lot, and Paul and Storm, and Metroid Metal. Those are those are the people mm, who signed my bag. Metroid Metal. I really wish I. I wish they did not play on Friday because I really wanted to see them. Well, I got some video of them, so you can check out my video when I ever get it up on Facebook. Okay. But yeah, they they were pretty awesome. <laughs> I know they were. Man, shit. <laughs> I gotta get their their new album because they came out with a new uh, uh, Metroid album. I like the first one. Okay. Sorry, I was just I was I like a Dead of... Space. No, I'm sorry. You were talking, so I d- took a moment to take a sip of a drink. What kind um, of drink do you have? What is your tasty beverage? Actually, it's just water with. Uh, I don't know. If, do you know what emergency is? Yes. Okay, yeah, because since Cause I'm not feeling sick, too good, right. yeah, um, so I got that and I got tea. <laughs> hey, it works for me. Um, so anyway, uh, yeah, back to my story that I think I was originally trying to tell. <laughs> you still remember it? Yeah, I got the. Don't worry, the trail's going somewhere. I think. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, yeah, the guy had him sign my bag, and I was happy about that. But then I realized I also forgot to have him sign. I I should have asked him at the moment to also bring my PAX badge over and have them sign that too, but. I forgot, so there's that's the one thing I didn't get them to sign. Um, it makes me a little sad, but if anything, next PAX East or whatever, I'll just bring it, and I'll be like, hey, I wanted to have you guys sign this last year, and I forgot. Can you sign it now? <laughs> um, I'm sure they will. So anyway, we got in the line for the queue. Uh, the, we got in the line for the queue. What? We got in the queue for the closing ceremony and uh, hung out in there for an hour. And I don't think any of us mentioned that during these queues, did you get do that waiting in line game thing that they had on the big screens? It was a game? I thought it was just a message board. Well, there's the message board, and then there's actually a game portion. Maybe for your queue, maybe they didn't have it, or maybe you just weren't paying there attention. There was something about a game, but I really, like, once I noticed that when I first got in on Friday that the message board was a half an hour delayed, I just said, fuck it. 
I sent like yeah. two messages and I'm like, oh, why don't I see them? Oh, wait a minute. That timestamp is like 20 minutes ago. So Yeah, I that happened know. with us too because Sunday night we were trying – when we were in the line, we were trying to send messages to it and it wasn't working. Uh, like we I, – I think we sent a total combined of th- four or five messages and none of them showed up in the entire time we were waiting to get into the – like go from the queue to the closing ceremony. So that was annoying. But uh, yeah, there was other parts where like they were actually playing games, and there wasn't any delay on that. What it is is they like put up like random trivia questions or silly stuff, and you text in your answer to them, and uh, it tabulates the results or whatever, and then you win tickets for correct answers. And if the tickets are basically just uh, raffle drawing things, at the end of the games, they uh, choose winners and text the winners they they won a prize or whatever. Um, so that stuff was kind of cool. I think it's called get in get in line games. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was fun in the moment. It's not something that I could imagine being like fun in any kind. Like there's you can you can you know get in line games. You can get it at home or whatever. But uh, I I can't imagine it being fun anywhere else besides right there and in the moment. For real. Um, and uh, yeah. So anyway, just to finish up my story because I'm dragging on here. Uh, so we get into the closing ceremony, and the closing ceremony was just the ending round of the. We didn't know what it was. We were hoping it was something like kind of cool it was cool but it wasn't what we were expecting it was just the ending round of the omegathon really i thought uh, the omegathon was like an hour before that no it would this is what it and it it the the entire closing ceremony was the end of the omegathon hmm. uh like basically they did the final round and then they said you know jerry and mike were like thanks for coming to pax you're like what? Good, good night whatever where's the closing uh, ceremony <laughs> i mean it, it, at least in the future, I know that unless we're really into watching the Omegathon, which we weren't, like, we could have actually skipped the closing ceremony and gone and did something else for the last little bit of time we had. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, at least we know for the future. But, I mean, the, the last round of the Omegathon was pretty intense and exciting. They did a relay where uh, they uh, had – it was two on two because uh, the whole theme of this Omegathon was like cooperative and team play and stuff like that. Okay. So it boiled down to a team of two versus a team of two, and the winning team of two of this was going to win a trip to Germany. And they had them basically do a relay through four different games. And, uh, you know, player one on, like, okay, team A, player one plays the first game, player two then plays the second game right. when player one meets the objective. Player one jumps over to game three, and then they both go over to game four and to uh, finish the round. Yeah. Awesome. So... The three games were, it was, uh, I can't remember the second game, but I know the first game was, can I remember the first game? <laughs> Hang on a second. Hang. Oh, yeah, it was just original Super Mario Brothers. Mm-hmm. They had to just collect 50 coins. Ah, uh, yeah, so, but, uh, it Yeah, but it seems easy, but like... They but were then you're racing against other people. Yeah. Um, and then the second game, I think was, God, I can't remember the name. I want to... I, I'm not even gonna try to remember it. It was a, it was a racing game, an old school racing game. And, uh, wait, wait, wait. Not pole position. It so was don't, it's, as old as Atari. It was a Nintendo. It was probably Nintendo. Yeah. Was it uh, Rad Racer? Well, wait. What are you saying? Oh, she's saying all four of them were NES. Yeah, that's right. Because they kept having to stop. Oh, well, I don't want to ruin anything. Ruin uh, what? Okay, so I'll get to it in a second. Okay. So maybe it was Rad Racer. It was some game, but they had to score fifteen hundred points. And then the third game was Tetris, and they had to clear 10 lines. And then the fourth game was Contra, and they had to co-op together to beat the first boss. So, you know, they were going... The, the the game started, and they were going, and uh, basically, when they... I don't... Okay. When the first... The first team... Team A was blowing Team B away. They were already on Contra, but what happened when they started it, Um, there was a problem. <laughs> oh, no. Because, the Nintendo froze? 
No, they wanted to, they wanted the teams to have the thirty life code, but when they started it, they only had the three lives, and so they had to stop it and basically restart the whole thing because the whole they, the, no, 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 the whole final round. Okay, because they wanted, they wanted, they they said before it started that they wanted a clean run through the games. They didn't want any technical difficulties. If there were any technical difficulties, they would stop and reset. I mean, originally the games were hidden, so they didn't know what they were going to play. Right, but since they got all, since that team first team got all through four games, then both teams knew what was going to be coming for them. Of course. And uh, Mike made a joke like "just blow in the NES guy or NES cartridge guys" or something like that. It was pretty funny. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, funnier when he said it. Um, <laughs> Yeah, Mario Bros. did break first, but I didn't want to, because that, that makes the story not as interesting. <laughs> De- Des was saying something. But yes, the, the first time, the, the first game break did happen when Mario Bros. broke, but that was before they got too far. Uh, but, so yeah, then they redid it, and then it sucks for the first team, because they would have won if that thing didn't happen with Contra. True. And then wait, what they just had to get to the first boss? They had to get and beat the first boss, Why yes. couldn't they do that on three lives? I don't know. They wanted. They, I mean, they probably would have lost on three lives. Cause I was wa- watching them play. I think they both would have lost. Uh, either team would have lost if it was only three lives. So, well, so that means they would have never made it, basically. Well, they probably would have just kept restarting contract right, exactly. Over and over. Means they would have never made it. Yeah, it was bullshit. Yeah. But all right, fine. So they basically had someone. They had uh, Robert Koo and I guess someone else for the other team standing by, so that when the teams got to contra, they would quickly input the contra code and. Uh, yeah, give them the 30 lives. <laughs> so, but yeah, in the end, uh, Team B wound up winning because of that reset. Mm-hmm. Like, which really sucks for Team A because they would have won. True. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was, it was fun to watch and exciting. But like I said, I don't think in the future that unless we were, would be into whatever's going on with the Omegathon, we'd probably just skip it. Um, so yeah. That ends my Sunday and my complete and total rambling of packs for Sunday, at least. Did you remember anything you wanted to talk about? Me? Yeah, since I just, like, rambled <laughs> for, like, a half hour? Um, uh, no, I don't think so. But I I do have to announce that we have a uh, last-second Twitter uh, request from our Mr. Hostman, Mr. Chupon. Uh, he wants us to discuss the post-packs depression. So we can discuss Deep. that in detail. Can you talk about the supposed post-PAX depression? <laughs> Send them mail. Mailbag at TriGames.net or tweet your questions to them. <laughs> exactly. That's funny. Um, so we can talk about that if you would like to talk about that now. Um, sure. I would uh, I would say you start. Sure. I'm gonna, I will I'm going to tweet that I'm podcasting since I'm the only I'm – the, I'm the bad tweeter. Oh, by the way, everyone, Al is on Twitter, and if everyone remembers – a long time ago, he said he wouldn't be doing that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and the reason why is because over the weekend at PAX, it's uh, a, a funny thing, actually. <laughs> um, I noticed that all of my companions were using Twitter. And, goodness gracious, why didn't I just like yawn like that? Um, anyway, I noticed that they were all using Twitter. And... It seemed to actually almost serve a purpose. It wasn't like, oh, I'm brushing my teeth now. Oh, I'm doing my hair now. It was more like they were communicating things that were going on in an effort to get people to kind of like include themselves in the hype of what was going on in like in, of packs, that kind of thing. And uh, it seemed to be more akin to like Facebook, but more 
just simpler. <laughs> Facebook butt, butt book butt face. Book face, Facebook butt. Wait. Um, yeah, but it was like simpler because it was more like, uh, you know, posting a Facebook status is posting a Facebook status, but with Twitter, it's like, you know, for example, uh, freaking Maurice was all like, you know, once again, I'm told to put my clothes back on. And, you know, they, they it's something that kind of like includes you on what the person's doing. So I'm like, okay, well, I think I might join Twitter just because um, I might. It seems appealing at this point. It doesn't seem pointless. And also, I was talking about something to Austin, and he said that, you know, it would be good to go on Twitter to try and, like, reach out to other people, see if you get people interested in what you're doing. Like, with me, I'm doing, like, my music thing and um, and just getting connected to, like, some other people. And then I saw Maurice, he had, like, Slash on his uh Twitter, and I was just like, you know, that's a pretty cool thing, because Slash was just, like, saying he was doing something, whatever. <clears throat> so I decided to join. Whatever. Uh, back to the matter at hand. I don't remember where I read this, but I read in, I think it was a forum post, because uh, I was reading a forum about PAX, and somebody was asking, like, what PAX was like, and they were talking about the environment. Someone had answered them, saying, oh, they asked a question about and someone answered saying that PAX is like nothing that you've ever really seen before. It's not like a convention, but it's more a gathering of like-minded people who all are very comfortable with each other. And the barriers of social life are really broken during the the, ex- the expo. And, you know, you'll find that everyone is really approachable and sociable. And you'll probably wind up making a lot of new friends there if you're outgoing. But when you come back, you'll get this kind of like culture shock when you get back to the world and you realize that all the people who you're around are really just like not that social. And, you know, you're going around and strangers are just keeping to themselves and they're more private. And that kind of creates a depression in you. Like, you know, you just experience this euphoria of communication and oneness with people who are like you. And then you go back to real I have a life. Perfect example. Hmm? I have a perfect perfect example of what you're talking about. Fantastic. Uh, but just to finish the description, you come back to the real world, something that you have to live in every day, uh, away from this wonderful weekend that you just had, which probably won't happen again for another year, uh, unless now, of course, you go to Seattle, go to Pax Prime. But um, it, it really instills this kind of, like, uh, I, I guess really it's just a shock, a, a, a minor trauma for a short period of time, but until you readjust back to the uh, the regular world. So what is your yeah. example? Um, well, just like you said, the because you said uh, like what, what was the term you used? Something about social boundaries, like oh, breakings. there are no uh, there are no social boundaries. The boundaries are broken because yeah. of the the sociability, and everyone has the same interests, and everyone is really. Uh, linked in a particular way. Well, just like just the social boundaries thing, like the fact that, like I, I mentioned this again on the Midpacks podcast, but the fact that Des and I were part of an, a literal impromptu dance party, like was insane and awesome, and that would never uh, happen in the real world. If, if someone decided to like on the street put down a boombox and you know hold up a slash dance sign, they might get a few people who know what the hell they're doing, but most people are going to be too embarrassed to stop in public and do that. Um, 
and and anyone who's walking by would just think they're insane like these people are insane anyway yep. whereas like yeah in the in the environment of pax it's like that's completely acceptable and yeah that's that's awesome <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah the post pax depression i mean i don't know if i'd say I I don't say I wouldn't say I've been depressed. I've just it's uh, well, like depression it's such... is, is not in a I'm sad and I'm moping and all this other stuff, but it's more like uh the the change in life has impacted you in a negative way. Yeah. Um I mean I am like I I mean, I I don't know. I am sad that Pax is over and you know, but I I I don't know. After I left Pax like during this past week, all I've been thinking about is I can't wait to get to, ne- you know, I can't wait till next year. I want to go to PAX Prime now. Like, I have this fervor to go. Uh, and, by the way, PAX Prime registration has already started. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, badges will probably sell out quickly. I uh, actually looked into plane tickets and stuff. But going to PAX Prime's a lot more costly than going to PAX East. Uh, you know, oh, here I'm I have sure. to, especially since yeah. you already live in the area. I was gonna say here I have to take a uh, like a twenty minute train ride there to get to PAX Prime. I'd have to take a a flight and uh, figure out where I would stay and stuff. And you know, so I mean, it's something that Des and I had kind of talked about, but not super seriously. Uh, I would love to go, but I don't know if it's feasible. But anyway, um, I would say I left packs uh almost in a way inspired to uh like try to figure out a way to i mean i i've always wanted to be a part of the game industry and you know seeing like i mean maybe not so much just video games now like just i want to be surrounded by these type of people all the time Mm -hmm. um an event like this would do it to you yeah and so i actually left inspired and uh i'm not going to go into too much detail but i actually like a couple of days after PAX, I came up with an idea for my own, like, not video game, but I don't want to say board game. It's in the board game genre, though. Um, okay. And, uh, like, I've actually been kind of running with that idea and prototyping it and stuff. That's good. Uh, yeah, so, like, it it saddens me that PAX is not here. Like, I mean, because technically right now, it, last week, we were at PAX doing stuff. That's true. Um, and... So it it doesn't even feel like it was a week ago though. It feels like it was so. It already feels like it was so long ago. <laughs> uh, That's part of the depression. Yeah. Um, and uh, it did suck to have to like go right to work the day after PAX and like go from complete and utter joy and fun to all right back to the grind, yep. so to speak. Um, but I mean, at least within this week following packs i was able to like tell everybody about it because a lot of people who i work with had no idea what it was um although one of, one of the guys i worked with did also go so not only did i get to share stories about, with him about what i did and what he did but then i got to explain to other people what what we're both talking about so you know talking about it and it almost sounds like we're mourning something <laughs> uh, <laughs> So talking about it helped keep it alive for me. Um, maybe, you know, in the next couple of weeks is like, you know, it gets further and further away. I'll just like, I'll, I'll feel the, the, uh, the pull of missing it or something more and more, but I still have things to look forward to, like editing my like hours of PAX videos and, uh, getting those up on Facebook and yeah, like, I mean, I don't know. It just, I would, I, I would say I understand why people might feel the way they do. I, I, not feeling it in the same way, but uh, I got their ecstatic on your voice. <laughs> the reason why I sent it to you in the text is so that you wouldn't have to read it. 
I read what gets sent to me. Oh my god. I could have just told um, you. Now is there isn't any voice. Okay. As soon as I sent that message, it was gone. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm not doing a good job of articulating or formulating a point, but so oh, I, I'm done speaking. It like you were. Uh, I'll just <laughs> chime in, though, and I'll say that um, it affected me in that I got back home. <laughs> I got back home really late from driving everybody around in packs, uh, from packs anyway, and I didn't go to work. I I should have just called off that night, but I actually didn't know that there was uh, a full day of Expo until like the week before. I thought it was Sunday, like maybe for two hours or something like that, and then we would leave early. Then I would have time to take a nap and then go to work at midnight. So I got home at like 10, and I was completely out of it, uh, especially after driving for like, what, five hours. I had to go pick up my wife, drop everybody off, and go back home. And so I called out of work sick. Then the next day, I was tired. I, I think I fell asleep at work. And then Tuesday, I slept all day at home. And then Wednesday, I had problems sleeping. I just really just had problems sleeping all week. And now I feel okay, even though, well, today I think I had like five hours of sleep. But it's a Saturday, so it doesn't matter. Um, I also kind of like felt a bit lonely because... I um I went from an environment where I was constantly surrounded by people. And Sorry about that. What in the hell was that? Emergency vehicles tend to go right past our house. <laughs> <laughs> that was an emergency vehicle? I think it was a fire truck. I don't have the window. Oh like my god, it sounds like see. a symphony. <laughs> like you mistakenly turned on some classical music. Uh, here goes another one. I'll see what it is. It was a fire truck. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, I was surrounded by people who I enjoyed being around, and I went from that immediately, well, not immediately, because um, uh, it was like the day after when I went to work. Um, I went from that to being absolutely by myself, because uh, there's one guy who I work with on um, over the week. He comes in at 4 a.m., I come in at midnight, and then there's a lady who comes in at 2 a.m., but she's off Tuesday and Wednesday. So when I came in on Tuesday, uh, the guy who's normally there between, he's there between like 10 and 5, he wasn't there because he was on bereavement. So I was there by myself at work all night. And it was really dead, really slow. And it just was like, man, I remember when I was at PAX and I was busy all day and it was fun and I was tired, but I kept going because it was fun. And I was trying to talk to a friend of mine, but I was actually uh, a little bit on the busy side. Granted, I was sleeping around my busyness. Uh, I wanted to talk to a friend of mine who went to Icon that weekend. And um, we were trading stories about the uh, our experiences on Thursday. And that was like the only time I was able to catch him, which was weird. But um, yeah, I definitely think that that depression is... is real and it really kind of sets in for like the first week or two after you come back from PAX because PAX is just like such a high especially if it's your first time it's like it's like using a drug for the first time and well with using drug the first time the whole thing is that you always you, you get addicted to drug because you always want to get that high that you got the first time and I think that with PAX it's like you want your life to be as great as it was that weekend yeah and I you know I was really inspired to 
kind of try and find my way back into the industry myself because um, of like the panel and just the talking about the possibilities and things like that. And, um, you know, I connected with Maurice, who I found out was a programmer. And, you know, this is like the first person that I'm like cool with that knows how to program that I can actually probably feed off of. And, uh, you know, we can throw ideas to each other. We both have been like out of the game for years, so we're both on the same level, which is really cool too. And, uh, well, I'm looking forward for next year's uh, PAX, and I hope that it will, hopefully, things will be well enough that I can go because, um, you know, things can change. Yeah. But, um, enough talking about the PAX depression. We've satisfied your request, <laughs> Austin. Well, I wanted to say if you not really about PAX depression, but just about uh, future PAXs and stuff, and uh, that if anyone else hasn't been to a PAX before and plans on going to PAX Prime or PAX, next PAX East or something soon, uh, a few tips um, I want to offer. <laughs> okay. Uh, because you, you just kept reminding me because you kept saying panels and uh, you know originally before PAX started, uh, I had this like game plan out for the panels I wanted to attend and. You know, me, you, and Austin actually had a spreadsheet for what panels we were planning on attending mm-hmm. and stuff. And I honestly didn't attend any of those panels. I attended one. Um, yeah, like, it's just uh, people need, like, uh, a, a warning I want to give people is, like, plan when, when PAX is coming up. If you're going to go to a PAX, plan what it is that you really want to do. If you're going to do panels, be prepared to spend your entire day in line. Not the entire Wait. day. At least well, an hour like, and a half. No, I'm saying if you're like going to go to multiple panels. Oh, yeah. If you are going to multiple panels, do not expect to do anything else except for wait for the panel and then stay in the panel for an hour. And I think right. that would be rather boring. And because like like I had this original game plan of going to panels and stuff, like Des and I actually didn't get to do a lot of like – we didn't get to do a lot of game playing and stuff. Like it was a lot of, well, I wanted to go to this panel, but there's a line there. And we kind of did a lot of walking and wandering around. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say I personally next time we go to a PAX – we're gonna just we're gonna play fucking games because like that's the like that's when we had the most fun at packs when we were sitting down playing board games playing like when I got to try Joe Danger or we were playing uh like some of the free play stuff like in the classic arcades area and things like that mm-hmm. like those were the most fun moments at packs and like packs is about like gaming and playing games and while the panels are cool like personally I think that you know I can find a way to hear that stuff or similar stuff or read stuff like that's similar at any point during the year. But there's only this one time where all this stuff is collected and all these people are collected to like play all these games with like, so next time I go, whether if we do end up PAX prime or next PAX East fucking, we're going to be playing games. <laughs> Sounds like a plan. Yeah. Um, so I think we're going to go from here to our mailbag entry. We have one mailbag entry for the week. And it's from Aspro. Hey, when did you take over hosting duties? Just for a minute. Okay. I get to do that sometimes. Okay. Uh, unless you want to read the letter. No, you can read it. Uh, okay. My throat hurts. All right. Um, so Aspro sent in. Uh, hope you guys had a good time at PAX East. Yes, we did. Thank you very much. Uh, here's a question for a future show, which would be this show. You guys. We are in the future. <laughs> you guys, except Pete, which is wrong. Uh, seem to be like me in terms of taking game completion seriously. Uh, Pete, chime in. Dude, you're way fucking wrong, dude. Do you not listen to me talk? Um, yeah. Yeah, and what? No. Um, uh, <laughs> when do you know it is time to walk away from a game? I'm playing a game right now, 
which has a fair amount of merit, but is also pretty shoddy. I'm about halfway through, but I'm not sure it is possible to finish it. I'm not going to mention what the game is, but he does mention it in the email. Uh, technical breakdowns are very rare. That's not this game's issue. And if it were, I'd be long gone. This is the kind that is subjective. Poorly chased checkpoints, AI bullet sponges, one-hit kills at the end of a long, non-checkpointed sequence. And his main question is, when do you cut bait? How do you know you are not the problem? Now, I'd like to uh, leave it to our host to answer the question first. Oh, thanks. Uh, well, I am serious about game completion and will m- most of the time suffer through uh, bad game design to complete a game. Um, sometimes I will suffer through bad game design to 100% a game. Uh, I would say I'm trying – I can't think of a game off the top of my head that would directly fall into this category, but – I have problems with many games like, okay, Mass Effect is because I'm looking at it, mm-hmm. has that terrible, the original Mass Effect has that terrible fucking thing with the, uh, the Mako, you know, like <laughs> crawling across the planets. And my first time playing it, I hated the Mako parts, and I still fucking search every inch of every planet to completely fucking find everything. Good God. Um, so yeah, like, I take game completion very seriously. Uh, I would say that for me, for a game to make me walk away, would be if it just I guess a game would have to be I don't know because like if I'm if I'm already into a game like I may start a game and just immediately know okay I'm not going to complete this like this is not a game I'm going to play to finish so then it doesn't matter like you know if a game game bugs start popping or something I will stop if I've started a game and I've decided at that like at some point okay this is a game I'm going to complete I will not stop unless the game probably erases my save um, or if something else comes out and takes my attention away, which has happened numerous times, like, uh, let me see, Pokemon, per- or not Pearl, po- when Pokemon Platinum came out, I loved the Pokemon games. I had actually, uh, almost completed Pokemon Diamond, but, uh, the only reason I'd stopped that was because I had gotten rid of that DS and then, you know, got another DS when Pokemon Platinum came out. Cause I'm insane, but we're going to skip that part. Uh, <laughs> but the only thing that kept like, Pokemon Platinum, I had decided, you know, I'm going to complete this game. And the only thing that stopped me from doing that was the two factors. One, that I already basically played the game, since it's very similar to Pokemon Diamond, and the fact that other games were coming out that I wanted to play. So, uh, usually it's the fact that if I don't complete a game, it's because something else drew me away from it. Um, or it's because the game just, like, is... The game would have to be completely unplayable where it keeps freezing and just can't work or something, or like it would have to have, like I said, erased my save. That would be, that would be what would make me stop a game I've decided to complete. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Uh, is that the complete answer to your question? For now, you talk and maybe I'll think of something else. All right. Uh, well, normally, I will play through a game until I come to the point where it is fruitless to continue. That that's pretty much the best way that I can say. It, fruitless to continue means I play a game and I get up to a part where a boss or a uh, uh, an enemy or a challenge. No, it usually is a boss or something that is not uh, a mind teaser type of thing because a puzzle, a brain teaser, can always be figured out. But a kind of challenge such as a boss fight, which is not a um, a puzzle, 
which is more of a question of endurance or a question of um, speed or a question of uh, just your ability to grind levels up to a point where you can uh, be stronger than the boss innately. Uh, if that proves to be either too difficult to be for real or too much of a time waster to be like really something that I want to do, I'll stop. And I'll just say, you know, screw it. Like, I did that with Final Fantasy 3, but then I saw Austin finish it, and he wasn't too far away from where I was in terms of levels. It inspired me to go back into it. And so, you know, I'm about to, I'm probably going to try and finish it today. If there's enough time after the podcast, I'm going to try and um, make the final push. But there are other games, like a lot of times with fighting games, things like, like Mortal Kombat, where the boss is just like absolutely ridiculous. Sometimes I don't even bother really to try and finish those. Um, there are some games that even though they have like some really crazy like bullshit sequences, they are things that I know deep down inside that I can get through. But once I get through those kinds of things and I look back at that game and I'm like, uh, I don't want to play through that game. Because when I think of playing that game, I think of playing that part that I didn't like. Like, for example... Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the original game for Nintendo, that underwater part that everybody hates, well, I hate it too. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) uh, A lot of the gameplay mechanics in the game I hate too, and I would never, like, pick up that game and play it again. I would never buy it, like, you know, uh, off of some nostalgic shit or nothing like that. If it happened to ever, ever, ever be re-released for uh, a console or something, which it never would, uh, I wouldn't buy it. You know, that kind of thing. But, um... You know, and then there are other games, like, uh, games that are just a little bit too, I guess, you know what, not even. I'll tell you the reason why I stopped playing uh, Grand Theft Auto 3 was because of some stupid mission. It was a main mission, uh, a mission where you had to throw grenades at trucks as they went by, and I felt like that mission was such bullshit because the grenade mechanics were so off, and to be able to throw a grenade at a truck and, and hit it, without getting caught by cops or getting run over by the truck or, you know, being able to survive doing that three or four times, it was just ridiculous to me. I was like, okay, I need to do this to proceed with the game. Fuck that. So I decided not to play Grand Theft Auto. And and until I can find a Grand Theft Auto that has controls that I like or that is appealing to me, like, that's the reason why I don't play Grand Theft Auto games because of situations like that where the controls and the mechanics of the game really get in the way of actually enjoying the game and the odds are that mission is probably really easy to finish but for me it, it, i can't stand it i was gonna say that uh real quick to because you just remind me like i guess difficulty in a game will stop me but um like if something is overly difficult uh, like you, okay, with the Teenage Mutant Turtle thing, you remind me of mm-hmm. like, okay, I, I would have never beaten that game, but like, I've made it past that stage and I made it to further stages, but that game is rather difficult. Uh, so that's a game I've never completed, but I don't know if I would have when I was that young if I would have been like, I'm gonna beat this game. <laughs> but uh, nowadays, if a game has like an extremely hard section, um, again, I can't think of things off the top of my head, but I remember with the original Saints Row, some of the uh, side missions were completely were completely insane in in their difficulty, mm-hmm. and I still I I'm I hundred percent of that game if I remember correctly. Um, 
And uh, what I would do now, I mean, you know, since the internet's there, if anything is super difficult, I will spend hours researching online how other people have beaten it, look at videos, look at facts, figure out how I can beat it, uh, and we'll plug away at it still. Uh, so even that nowadays won't stop me. But yeah, back back in the day before that stuff like that was readily available, if a game was too difficult uh, that I just knew there was no way I could beat it, I would stop. Yeah, um, I completely agree with that. And I also feel like, you know, the internet is a, a wonderful resource for things like that. And the number one rule that Austin and I have regarding, like, game facts and uh, strategies online is if a game stops being fun, then it is no longer serving its point as a game. Like, I, there are points where a game isn't fun, but you're reaching a goal, and that in and of itself provides fulfillment for you. And I'm not talking about right. that. I'm talking about when you're beating your head against a wall. And instead of beating your head against the wall with the point of trying to go through the wall, you're actually just getting frustrated because the wall's not breaking. And that's not fun. Like, I can play God of War on God mode and be dying, like, every five seconds and be like, Oh, my God! Ah! But that's not, like... <laughs> but it's not, like, I'm angry yelling. It's more like, Fuck, you got me. I'm going to get you this time. Oh, you got me again. I'm going to get you this time. Oh, you got me again. I'm really going to do it. And it was more of a determination. And in that, in and of itself, that frustration is fun for me. Because when I actually do it, I'm like, yeah, bitch. Even though I'm talking to a computer, I'm like, yeah, bitch. <laughs> and that, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, that's about. a fulfillment for me. And that's why I like to play like hard-ass games. Like over the summer uh, last year, I was playing Ninja Gaiden. And then I played God Hand. And then I played... um. God of War 2, and uh, I think I played something else that was, like, incredibly difficult. Uh, I think it was, it might have been Devil May Cry. I'm not sure if I beat Devil May Cry earlier, but uh, I'm not looking at my list to find out. But there were a lot of really, really tough games that, you know, the the timer says I spent five hours playing it, but it took me three and a half weeks. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, there's things like that, and um, using game facts as a tool to overcome those points where a game stops being fun is something that I will never uh, look down on any upon uh, anyone uh, look down upon anyone about. You know, if, if you're looking at game facts because you're too lazy to to solve something, or if you're just not trying, or something like that, and that that's kind of like you know, you, you that's not what the game is about. But then if you're like, I've tried this for like five hours. And I really can't get this. It keeps beating me or I can't solve this puzzle. Let me go look so that I can continue enjoying this game. Then, yeah, sure. That's cool. Um, they brought something to mind and now I have just lost it. Um, <laughs> oh, I was going to say this whole thing kind of brings me to another question uh, that I'd like to discuss with you. When it comes to games, uh, well, I know your answer, but when it, when it comes to games, do you feel like when you're playing in the middle of a game, are you attracted to all the side quests for the, for the purpose of completing everything and 100%ing a game? Or are you more inclined to uh, like travel straight and narrow and maybe do some side quests as they come and really your point is to finish the main plot of the game? I know you're Well, like, like you said, you already know my answer. <laughs> but I'll um, bring it out anyway. But, uh, I mean, yeah, because I'm... Like, <clears throat> when a game presents, starts presenting side missions, I will most of the time start doing those, any side missions that are available, 
before I progress the main storyline. Because I'm always worried that certain games will eventually, if you don't do the side missions right away, like there are games that do this, Mass Effect, <laughs> mm-hmm. where you will eventually get to a point where it'll take those side missions away from you. Uh, and I don't like that. Like, if I know a game will let me do the side missions after the story, then yeah, I'll keep plugging away at the story. But if, you know, most of the time you don't know that, and so I will do side missions as soon as they appear. I hate games where you don't know what the actual, which mission is going to start the next actual, like, continue storyline. Like, uh, sometimes sometimes it's hard to tell what's a side mission and what's actually part of the main mission. Mm-hmm. So that bug, bugs the hell out of me, because, like, I'm like, oh, God, do I go do this or go do this? I don't know which one's the side <laughs> mission. But, uh, yes, I will always, you know, for games I want 100% complete, I will always go to the side missions immediately as they're available. But so go ahead and answer your, your own question. philosophy? Is that something that you generally do for games, or is that yes? Some, okay, that's what I wanted to know. Because for me, I will do that if it's feasible, and it's very, very uh, dependent. It's, it depends on certain things, like for example, Zelda. Uh, just to kind of add on what you've been playing, element to this, I finished Zelda last night, uh, not last night, uh, f- early Friday uh, morning after I got home from work, and. I just kind of harken back to the previous Zeldas that I played, and I don't think I've ever played a Zelda game where I've gotten every single heart container, and I've gotten every single upgrade and things like that. Like, I've gotten what's necessary to finish the game, but I feel like Zelda is not that difficult of a game in the first place, such that I can get by on, you know, maybe 50-55% of the hearts that are necessary, and maybe a potion if I kind of screw up. And when I finished uh, Zelda Spirit Tracks, I only had one heart on the second line of hearts. So basically I had like, I guess maybe 55% of the hearts. Um, And those were only the hearts that you got from completing the dungeons. So I would assume that there are hearts that you get from other places that are hidden or by doing uh, er running errands for other people. And there are quite a few errands that you run. Like, you go to places, and there'll be somebody who says, oh, can you take me somewhere on the train from one place to another? Uh, then there'll be people who ask for commodities that come from other towns. Like, there's an ocean town that sells fish. There's an ice, ice town that sells ice. And then there's a fire town. Uh, what did fire town sell? Fire town didn't sell anything. They wanted ice. Um, the, one, the, the castle town sells cuckoos uh, for... You know, you can send them to... Cocoa Puffs? Hmm? You said Cuckoo, so I said Cocoa Puffs. Oh, look at that. Anyway. um, (laughs) (laughs) So you run these errands and things like that, and and the challenge in running the errands is that, well, okay, you have to put these things on a train, and you have to take it from one place to another, but while you're going there, either the environment that you're in affects whatever you have, like in the ice, for the ice. If you're not in a snow realm, your ice is going to start to deteriorate. It's going to melt. And... You have to usually bring uh, a certain amount of ice to whatever location to satisfy the quest. So you have to get there in a certain amount of time. And then on top of that, you have to get around the demon trains that go around. The demon trains that if they touch you, you die. And there's no going around that. Um, so a lot of times that can make your route longer than it's supposed to be. Um, then there are other situations where like you're driving the train and like the cuckoos. The cocoa Puffs. Uh, there are bandits that specifically attack the cuckoos so that it, they try and make them run. Uh, for the fish, there are birds that come out who specifically try and eat your fish. 
So you have to really kind of handle all of those threats and get to the destination in time so that you can deliver whatever is necessary. I felt like, shit, I need to finish this game. And I'm already at the end, but I have all these side quests. I'm not going to do these side quests. I'm just going to finish the game. And that's what I did, like, you know, on Friday morning. And that's usually, like, when I get to a game and I feel like I'm at the point, usually within the last 25% of a game, I'm like, oh, God, will this game be over already? And sometimes, you know, games drag on. Uh, that's when I get to a point where I'm like, I think of nothing but the end. I think of nothing but the end. I'm just going to finish. And side quests really just fall by the wayside. Fuck me. Uh, I, have you ever felt like that? Um, trying to think, cause I don't know, like, if I'm ever into a game, I just wanna, I want to 100% it. Um, I can't, uh, trying to think of any examples, and I can't think of any, um. <laughs> I mean, you really kinda gotta think of, like, the longer games. Like, yeah. Like, I, with Final Fantasy twelve, I felt that way. There, Final Fantasy twelve, you have all these hunts and things like that, and they're really fun. And they're really challenging at times. But when I got to the point where, oh, I got to finish this game next week so I can get to the next game, which is Final Fantasy XIII, um, <laughs> I was all like, I have to go and do the main mission. And I'm like somewhere else bullshitting. And I'm like, bullshit is so much fun in this game. No, do the main quest. I mean, like if I think of anything like RPG-wise, like any Final Fantasy game or anything, the, any ones that I really liked, like Final Fantasy uh, I don't know, uh, nine mm-hmm. to, uh, I didn't even, like, well, nine, yeah, I did everything, like, as far as I remember, I did everything I could, although nine's a special circumstance, uh, I won't, yeah, I don't know if I should explain it or not, what? uh, I was unable to beat it myself, so I wound up having to use a friend save just to beat it to see the ending. Oh, okay, so um, that was, like, kind of one of those, uh, situations that I said, well, I don't know, I'm trying to peg it. But is it one of the situations where it was like, oh, it was like unbelievably tough. I really couldn't do it. Uh, so I used an external resource to because it was too frustrating. The game wasn't fun. Was that the way it was? Or? If I can't remember, I'm going to say yes. Okay. Because uh, I'm just oh, thinking under any other circumstance, would you use your friend's save to finish a game that you could have finished yourself? Right. Like, I don't know why I used his save. All I remember is that I, like, I, I remember fighting... I don't know. I was going to say, I think I remember fighting the boss on my save and not being able to beat it, and then I used his save, but I thought I did everything in the game, and if I did everything in the game, why would I not have been able to beat the boss? True. Normally, you... I I think through normal progression, even with a little bit of grinding, you would be able to beat the last boss. Not that much a problem, because I'm pretty sure I didn't grind when I played it all of, like, eight, ten years ago. Good God, that was a long time ago. Well, maybe there, maybe there you go. Maybe that was a game where I did just decide to try to get through everything because I wasn't playing the game on my own system at my own home. Mm-hmm. I was playing it on my friend's PS2 at his college dorm room. Uh-huh. Um, so maybe that was my maybe that was my feeling was that I didn't have as much time to play it. So maybe I did just try to barrel through and then wound up having to use his save. Makes sense. Uh, I can't remember that, but I know it. Like okay. Uh, Final Fantasy X. I didn't like Final Fantasy X, but I know I did everything in that. I got everyone's ultimate weapon and God. all that shit. Oh, I, once I found out what you needed to do to get even one ultimate weapon, I said, fuck this. <laughs> Go on to the end of the game. 
at one point, I can't remember anything about the game, but at one point, I remember something about running through a forest with one of the guys, or one of the, either a guy or a girl, collecting butterflies, but you had to do it under a certain time, and yep. we used a micro, microwave timer to time ourselves. <sighs> you know, I actually tried to do that once, and once I failed, I said, fuck it, I'm going to the end. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, with most RPGs, I will try to do anything extra that I can, uh, Kingdom Hearts is a good example. I did every, like, I kept going back to the arena and fighting all those fights and uh, trying to do, like, trying to basically be, complete that area. Uh, I don't remember who the last battle was, uh, if it was... Don't Cloud say or... Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry, I, I have not played Kingdom Hearts at all. And so... Well, it's side stuff. It's not part of the main story. Oh, you're talking about the side quest. I do know that Sephiroth is one of the, like, last special people, and he, like, kills you in one hit. But yeah, uh, I only saw, I actually saw that, and I thought it was funny. Um, so yeah, I remember doing that. Uh, Final Fantasy VII. I remember going through and doing everything. The only thing I was unable to do in that game, even using what the suggested uh, mechanics were, was beat the uh, ultimate weapons. The uh, oh, like really? I beat the one the emerald. I beat the one that j- jumps on your ship or whatever the airship. Which is part of the storyline. Oh, yeah, line. that's the storyline. You had to beat that one. Right. But uh, Ruby and Emerald, those those were the other two, right? Yeah. There were the desert one and the underwater one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I used the material that was supposed to let you, you know, like, your last underwater and, like, whatever strategy was suggested I remember using, but I don't remember being able to beat them, and Ruby just kept, just annihilated me. Uh, so those were, like, in that game, that was the only two things I didn't do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, most games, I, so, I don't... <laughs> I guess the only thing that, to answer your original question, the only reason I would kind of just, like, be like, all right, I don't have, like, I'm just going to go through this game would be maybe time constraints. I see. Yeah, time constraints is really, really good reason. Um, okay, so I think that's the end of that one. Um, let us take a very short break and come back and discuss a little more stuff before we end our podcast. You. And we're back? Yes. From nothing because that wasn't edited? It, it better be edited. I bet you he, he's just going to slap this up. I hope not. Oh, God. The shittiest podcast, podcast since, since the first, the first one. one. So wait, what are we talking about now? <laughs> we're going to talk... Uh, uh, let's start with what you've been playing. Uh, and oh, okay. I'll, I'll start first just because mine is really short. But I would like to first say that um, I bought some games... Actually, I got quite a few games coming. <laughs> uh, I bought off the Midweek Madness the Quake Collection, which you and Austin have, which was the main reason why I bought it. Um, that's on Steam. It's just Quake Collection, though? It's not the full id, id, id catalog? Right. I didn't want the full id catalog because I wasn't really interested in a lot of the other stuff that it had to offer besides Quake. Uh, Quake really brings back some memories because uh, that was like me just starting to go into like it was going out of high school going into college days and i remember playing quake on the computer i couldn't even run quake but i was still like doing clan stuff and i mean no matter how poorly it was i was it, it also marked my transition from playing with playing first person shooters with a gamepad to playing first person shooters with mouse and keyboard which i yeah. actually i thought playing first person shooters with mouse and keyboard was like ungodly like you know it, I thought that that was wrong, but then when I went and actually <laughs> sat down and said, okay, I'm going to play with a mouse and keyboard because I don't really have a controller, then I realized that what I was doing was wrong. 
So anyway, it, the Quake collection is Quake 2 Mission Packs, Quake 2, and I think 2 Mission Packs, and Quake 3, and Quake Team Arena. Uh, Quake 3 So no, no Return to Castle? No, I already have Return to Castle Wolfstein anyway. Oh, okay. Which I... That. The, the multiplayer is like Team Fortress. Yeah, it's like a Team Fortress type type of gameplay anyway. You can't even play through the campaign, I don't think. Yeah, but that's fine. We should just play multiplayer. But I don't like I, the multiplayer. I, I like that game. Oh, I, I don't really like that kind of multiplayer. I, I, I don't know. Whatever. Okay, go ahead. So anyway, um, so yeah, you I bought, bought that. that. And... Uh, just this morning, I took advantage of the uh, GameStop game day sale. Um, and I bought Blaze Blue for Xbox. Um, and a whole bunch of shooting games for the Wii. I got Ghost Squad, House of the Dead, Overkill, and House of the Dead 2 and 3 Return. So I have those four games coming in. And I, that was all for the price of, like, a PS3 game. Um, got that. Not and bad. Toys R Us had a buy one, get one, half off sale. And I asked my wife to get me WarioWare DIY for DS and Tatsunoko vs. Capcom for Wii. Uh, Tatsunoko vs. Capcom I mentioned during the uh, mid-packs podcast, and it's a really good game. It's almost like putting together Marvel vs. Capcom 2 and um, regular like Street Fighter, almost like Street Fighter 4 with Marvel vs. Capcom 2, although it's only 2 on 2 It's got really good, really uh, like tight gameplay, and the graphics are really good. Everything's just really good about it, and you should get it if you're into fighting games. And it's also got online play, but I heard that it was kind of laggy, but I'll be the uh, judge of that. So, those are the games that are coming in. I finished Zelda Spirit Tracks, and I hope to finish Final Fantasy 3 today. I played a little bit of Final Fantasy 13, but really not enough to constitute anything. I think I'm on Chapter 10 now. And the boss fight that I did fight at the end of Chapter 9 was really cool. Uh, it was pretty complex, but it was still not that difficult. So the game, to me, hasn't really gotten difficult yet. And I'm really looking forward to playing God of War 3. And I'm looking forward to playing Heavy Rain. And uh, I, I don't think I'm going to get to Indigo Prophecy before I get to Heavy Rain. But it won't. I won't judge uh, Indigo Prophecy based on Heavy Rain because I did play a little bit of it. I was going to say, you started it, right? Yeah. You just definitely, because I remember you talking about it before. Yeah, I just haven't finished it, so um, I, I do remember where I am, so that's a good thing, too. So, Pete, it is your turn. Okay. Uh, I don't remember if it was before PAX or after PAX, but I actually went back and played some Dead Rising. Uh-huh. Um, Might have been after PAX. Okay. Uh, but, man, that game actually is kind of dated now. It's it's not like not in its gameplay, but in its visuals. Really? It actually, yeah, it 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 almost I mean because it was you know close enough to the 360 launch it was the June after the 360 launch mm-hmm. so about six six months or so, uh, and uh, it it has that look of like was it you you kind of like asking yourself was this originally an Xbox game <laughs> like uh, except for the you know the fact that they have a million zombies on the screen yeah that's what I was gonna say stuff. odds are the graphics are like that because of the multitude of uh, the actual characters on the screen I, I haven't right. played mine yet I actually have it. The Platinum Hits version, and I have not put that in my 360 yet. But, I mean, the game... You've played it before, though, right? Nope, I have never played it. I've only seen oh, it. Oh, my God. Yeah, you should definitely still play it, because the, the gameplay itself, I think, holds up. It's still incredibly fun. Uh, just, I still there, I still have the same problems that everyone else has with the games. The fact that there is no just, you know, free 
freestyle mode or whatever, we can just run through and just randomly kill zombies. Right. You still have the the constraint of following along with the storyline and uh, you know, having like to con- run these missions constraints, and stuff. Right? Like you can't just bullshit in the the mission and do whatever. Right. You have to actually like get to a certain place like by a certain time or something. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, the fact that the save system is is really oh yeah janky. The so like the saves right? are really far. What? Or the bathrooms? Yeah, and they're like really far apart and stuff. Uh, so that that's kind of some bad stuff about it. But I mean, uh, it's still a fun game, and it just uh, it it makes me re excited for Dead Rising two, and uh, hopefully, you know, it'll. They'll, uh, they haven't really mentioned anything about it. They, like, hopefully they'll fix the, the minor problems with the first one and, uh, open it up more to just, just kind of free play. Uh, I know that the, the sequel's gonna have the multiplayer and stuff in it. I, I've always wanted for the first Dead Rising a co-op or, you know, four-player co-op where you could just, like, kind of wander the mall and just see how long you could survive oh, and things. four-player co-op in the mall would be hot. It's, that's like, I know. you know, uh, that's the Dawn of the Dead type stuff. Exactly. Yeah, that's what I was hoping for when the game came out and was like, but they never wound up doing that. Uh, I know there is multiplayer in the sequel, like I said, but I don't know if it's going to be any single, like any campaign co-op or if it's all just like multiplayer versus type stuff. Um, so, but I'm sure that, you know, the sequel will not only incorporate a lot of what made Dead Rising great, but will also upgrade the visuals to actually look like a, you know, next generation game. Uh, although I guess next generation doesn't really apply anymore. Mm. Um, this generation. So, uh, yeah. So I played a little of that. I also, uh, coming back from PAX, I, like, I mentioned on this podcast and on the mid-PAX podcast about the classic arcade area, and that just kind of got me back into, like, really liking classic arcade games. So mm. I played a little of uh, Frogger, and, uh, cause I have it on XBLA. Yeah, and, so. uh, and, uh, played some more game room. And I, I really actually kind of am getting into the idea of game room. I'm just not into the price. Me neither. Like, if those games cost less, like a dollar or two dollars max, I would actually buy some of them. But they're charging like three, four, I think even five dollars sometimes. And like, I just, I can't see spending that kind of money for something I might only play every, like, once in a very long while. True. Uh, That's why I just, wait, is there a limit to the demos? Or Yes. Yeah? If you demo a game, you can only demo a game once. And I think it's a time demo with that. Like you have like ten minute time demo, yeah. but you can leave a demo early. If you leave though, you can't demo that game again. Uh, I think you can play it again because when you first like start up game room, like when you first download and install, you get twenty tokens. Right. So you can use a token to play a game again, but then you're cutting into your token pool. And the only way to get tokens back, I think, is by actually owning games that people come and play at your arcade. Oh well. Like, specifically, your friends would have to come to your arcade room and play the game. So if they own the game themselves already, why, why would, would they, they play it in your room? Yeah. Um, it's it's kind of a convoluted system. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, if the games were cheaper, I would totally buy some of them. There are some good games on there. I really like Crystal Castles. I like uh, I like Adventure for the Atari. Um, there was this game I can't remember the name of. I can't remember to really describe it. It's... All I know is I know like what this the game wizard. Are, so I could probably help you. You're this wizard guy, and there's snakes and bats and weird little like m- mice things or something. Like you have to go through. It's I want to say it's like Tutankhamen or something, but that's not it. Uh, mm-hmm. It's let me see. You uh, go through this like this labyrinth area, 
uh, collecting jewels and stuff. You have to get the key. It's kind of like Gauntlet in a way, you, you, but it's not entirely. You collect a key and you got to bring a key to a door and then open the, it opens the door. Uh, and then you uh, there's warp points that can warp you different parts of the levels. There's uh, like these the, the bats and, and stuff come from and snakes and their skeletons too, I think, come from a, like generators, which are just basically these empty holes in walls. Right. Uh, I should just look up real quick. What's yeah, because this is probably a game I haven't played. Is it a, a Konami game or a television game? It doesn't seem like an Atari game. Uh, Jesus, I can't remember. Uh, talk about something random while I look this up. Okay. Um, so there was a guy who was at PAX, and he uh, stole code or tried to steal code from the game. But his dumbass like told the developer The game was, was Breach. Yeah, Breach. That's what it was. And then he got arrested, and I think he's still in jail now or something. Um, uh, no, he got arrested from PAX, then he, like, he he wasn't, like, in jail or whatever. I think they just, they, they set a court date for him, mm-hmm. and he skipped his arraignment and was caught online playing, like, on his 360 playing Call of Duty, uh, <laughs> Modern Warfare, whatever, while he was supposed to be at court. And so now there's a warrant out for his arrest. Nice. Um, I don't know if they've found him since then or what, but uh, I'm trying to find it. I can't find a list of the games. Um, but yeah, like list of Xbox Live Arcade game <laughs> room games cabinet list. Is this it? Let's see. Cabinet Xbox list. Live. Xbox Live Arcade Game Room oh, Cabinet oh, 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 List. Oh, the list of games. I'm like, there's no such game called Cabinet List. Here's Wait something. Uh, I'm currently playing Final Fantasy 3, and I am running through the Ancient's Maze. I have a knight, a devout, <laughs> a ninja, and a sage. And I'm going to finish this game today because I think I'm strong enough. My characters are level 54, 55. And they should be hopefully 60 by the time I get to Cloud of Darkness. Oh, here's a list. Okay, it, it was Tutankham. It's, I don't know how you pronounce this. T-U-T-A-N-K-H-A-M. Tutankham? Tutankham. So that's the name of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, See, so I was close. Seems interesting. Uh, Yeah, it actually is. It's really cool. I liked it. Uh, So yeah, that's a few of the games. Um, If people are curious, I can list off all the games in it right now. There's 30 games. Adventure, Armor Battle, Asteroids Deluxe, Astro Smash, Centipede, Battle Atlantis, Crystal Castles, Gravatar, Lunar Lander, Red Baron, Combat, Finalizer, Football, Tempest, Jungler, Millipede, Outlaw, Road Fighter, Real Sports, Tennessee, Battle Scramble, Skiing, Mountain Madness, Super Pro, Space Armada, Space Hawks, Shaolin's Road, Star Raiders, Super Cobra, Subhunt, Tutankham, and Yars Revenge. Yeah. Did you get all did you get all that? There'll be a quiz later. Alright, so anyway. Uh the other game that I've been playing is Just Cause Two. Uh, were you done talking about whatever the random stuff was you were talking about? Um, I don't know. Did you finish saying everything about the uh, guy who stole the breach code? Yeah, it was pretty much the whole story. He's an idiot, and I can't an believe idiot. that happened. Uh, also, uh, unrelated news: this wasn't really reported because it wasn't video game related. But someone actually stole a one of uh, at the board game area. They uh, Steve Jackson Games was had prototype games that they were well not prototype but like. I guess they're considered a prototype because they're not final print. Yeah. Uh, but they were demoing, and somebody stole one of their prototype games, oh. which really sucks. And you know, people need to not steal shit because it like gives packs a bad name. Yeah, and um, it lowers the chance that packs comes back in the future. 
Don't yeah, steal. Or, that, or like that, that publisher, for instance. Like Steve Jackson Games is where uh, Des and I got to play the Revolution Board game, which is the prototype that got stolen, I think. Mm. Uh, and we also got to demos of Zombie Dice, which is an amazing dice game. don't and, get shot. <laughs> and Cthulhu Dice, which was also an awesome dice game. Uh, and so, yeah, like they're really – they have really cool games, and we were glad they were there demoing it. Um, am I? Did I just fucking? Am I still here? Yes, you are still here. Okay, like <laughs> I had static in the background, and then just disappeared. So like I, like, oh, it's like, like, oh, what the fuck static, happened? Like that was in your voice. I guess it's just Skype just being a dick. Maybe. Uh, so anyway, yeah, they had all these great games, and like, what if next year they don't want to come back because they're like, well, fuck it, we're not going to go demo games where people are going to steal shit. Yeah, where's my uh, zombie dice? <laughs> uh, that game's coming out in June, June by the way, yeah. and that yeah, we're gonna, totally gonna buy it. I'm still gonna buy it uh, myself. I'll have a video related to Zombie Dice going up on YouTube eventually, probably within the next couple of days. <laughs> um, so anyway, back to what I was saying was, uh, Just Cause Two was the other game that I played. Uh, I only played for about like an hour or two, well, and I stupidly what platform? Uh, Xbox 360. Okay, I stupidly played on Dez's uh, Dez's gamer tag mm-hmm. thing. So she got the few achievements. Uh-huh. So now if I want to get those couple achievements, I have to replay it on mine. Uh, but it takes about like an hour or two before you actually get into the open worldiness of it. Uh, you like are started out right on missions. So you, I, I mean, it's their way of giving you the tutorial for like, you know, using the grapple hook, controlling vehicles, doing the parachuting, things like that. Um, which in a way is good because otherwise if they had just throw me in the world and said, go have fun, I would have been like, okay, how do I hit, how do I do shit? Mm-hmm. Uh, good question. But, Yes. Did you play first Just Cause? Uh, no. I didn't. <laughs> I played <laughs> I uh, I a did demo of it, but my computer wasn't really good enough to run it. I bet you my computer would probably kick its ass now, but yeah. um, Just Cause was really interesting, but not fun enough to keep me interested. Uh, Like, I really like that whole idea of, like, I don't know, did they start you off in Just Cause 2, like, with a skydive? Basically, yes. They started off Just Cause 1 with a skydive, and it showed you how to, like, hook onto helicopters and planes and shit, and that was, like, interesting, but my computer didn't really run it well enough, and I guess that's part of the reason, well, that's most of the reason why I, I didn't really like the first game. I probably would like the second game. Probably should try the demo. Yeah, I'd say try the demo at least. Uh, I had a lot of fun just for the couple hours I had messing around, um... But I don't know how I'd feel about the actual like storyline and gameplay part of it because uh, once they let me open out into the world, I immediately went and and uh, jumped on a boat and uh, started going around the island. I mean, the game looks gorgeous. The water is really nice. Uh, when you're underwater, it's not just all murky and stuff. Depending on where you are, it can be crystal clear or murky, mm-hmm. and uh, you can see like you know, murky. yeah, you can see the seabed underneath and stuff, and. I was getting really fucking scared because I was worried a shark was going to come up and eat me. <laughs> um, so, uh, but like doing the things like just randomly, you know, f- being on a speedboat, getting it up to top speed, then jumping into a stump position where you're on the hood of it and then like launching yourself off of that with your parachute, just opening it up and flying up in the air and then grappling back onto the boat mm-hmm. and things like that. It's, it's actually pretty fun. Oh, wait, uh, I did actually play a little bit more of Just Cause. Like I remember going through uh, like the the outskirts of the jungle and riding on top of jeeps and just like running over people and stuff like that when i actually got into the jeep yeah i remember yeah it sounds like oh excuse me (laughs) sounds like they they took a lot of stuff from just cause and just threw it into just cause 2 and made it a little bit better um 
because I they probably just figured a lot of people haven't played the first Just Cause, or that uh, the first Just Cause was just kind of bad. It, it had a great idea, but the execution may not have been that great. Right, and again in this game, I don't know like if this because the storyline seems over the top and ridiculous, and the guy who the guy who you play as, I think his name is Rico. The mm-hmm. voice acting is like it's just ridiculous as well. <laughs> uh, it's it's comical, and it's I don't know if it's trying to take itself seriously or not. Doubt it. Um, but uh, I, yeah, I doubt it too. Um, but just the like I said, the the few hours I went just got to spend going around the island and fucking around was a lot of fun. I don't know how long live that would be because it doesn't seem like there's much outside stuff to do besides go around the island and blow shit up. Mm-hmm. Um, and when when you're blowing shit up, you're like causing uh, it, it's basically you're blowing up certain factions installations or whatever, and then you get them pissed at you and then they're chasing you and stuff. Sounds like but like, yeah. Um, but like, aside from the actual, like blowing shit up or doing mission stuff, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of side things to do. Like, I don't know. Games like GTA have kind of like, even like Assassin's Creed kind of spoiled because there's like, there is side shit to do. That isn't just like, like, I feel like just cause side shit is simplistic. Uh, blow this up. Go here. Yeah. Do that. Blow this up. Like I know there's supposed there's supposed to be a nightclub up in the sky being carried around by two blimps, and I was trying to find it because at one point I did get like a heavily armored helicopter, which was pretty sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, and because uh, I just jacked it from some enemy's base, and uh, oh, I also found out that it or I found that it was really easy for me to run out of run out of ammo. And then hard to find ammo because when you run out of ammo, I don't know if there's, there's got to be a melee attack in the game, but I couldn't figure it out and I was too lazy to hit a few buttons and go look in the, in, in the in-game instructions for how to <laughs> melee. Uh, but so I'd run out of ammo and then I'd have no way of really like attacking guys. You can use the grapple hook, but I couldn't really figure out how to kill people with it. I could just figure out how to kind of toss them a little bit. Okay. Um, and so like the only way to get ammo once you run out is to get it from a, you know, a fallen enemy. Or to find an ammo crate, and I was having a lot of trouble finding ammo crates. Um, so it was hard to like kind of hijack stuff because, like, to hijack a helicopter, like you can grapple on a helicopter that's flying already and like get close to it, and then uh, like shoot out the bodyguard that would be like outside the passenger part of the mm-hmm. helicopter, and then you can then you can jack out the pilot. But as long as that bodyguard's there, you can't jack out the pilot. And I don't know if there's a if there's any way to, to get rid of that bodyguard, bodyguard besides shooting him, and I didn't have any ammo, so it was like really difficult. But I just found an unmanned, like landed helicopter that I was able to quickly grab and fly. Uh, like I said, I wasn't able to find the nightclub, but I just kind of flew the helicopter around for a while, and then re- did, like did a skydive again and landed in the jungle, and then wandered around the jungle for a little while, and then found a like a little motorcycle thing, and like that was fun as hell to drive, and I crashed like shortly after driving it and died, and. I don't know. The game, like I said, it seems fun in its fuck aroundness, but it, that also seems simplistic, and I don't know how long lived it would be. So, that's my early impression of it. I might get a chance to play more. I don't know if I will. Uh, if I do, I'll talk more about it. Cool. Um, I, th- I think like that's it. about it. That's about it. So let's, That's uh, it. Do we gotta do it at the end of our podcast. Um, where can oh, we... I wanted to ask you a quick question before we wrap sure. up. Any, did you, were you the victim of, or did you play any good April Fool's jokes? Uh, well, I don't do April Fool's. I'll just say that first and foremost, but I did briefly, very, 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 very briefly. Okay. Okay. Get caught by April Fool's joke, but it was only because I thought of something else. 
uh, on Twitter, <laughs> Rock Band Aid had an April Fool's joke where they were um, they got bought by Activision, and now they're Guitar Hero. Uh, I think it was, they called themselves Guitar Hero Aid or something like that. Yeah. And they were like, yeah, now all we do is uh, Guitar Hero related news and blah blah blah. And then they started making some funny um, April Fool's jokes about like Guitar Hero Six comes if you pre-order it, it comes bundled with Guitar Hero Seven. And uh, stupid little things like that. And um, when I read that they got bought by Activision, I said, "Whoa, did you hear that?" I told Austin. I said, "Whoa, did you hear the news on um on on Rock Band Aid's Twitter?" And then he goes, "April Fools." I said, "Fuck!" <laughs> <laughs> because I thought about uh something, some random article on Kotaku, I think, about. Activision's like direction with Guitar Hero or something like that and that kind of made me think that oh well maybe that's what they were talking about because I didn't read the article and my dumbass like decided that that was the truth and lo and behold I got caught by April Fool's joke indifferently <laughs> did you well, get job. caught by any April Fool's jokes not really I mean I um like I didn't really uh, what uh, what happened on April 1st April 1st I was working mm-hmm. and Wait, no, April 1st was Thursday. I wasn't working. Oh, okay. Um, But I don't think I did much on the internet. And when I finally got on, uh, like, kind of stuff had already, like, been – it was late in the day. And so stuff – people were already talking about it on Twitter and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And, like, the one thing I saw that, like, it didn't get me. And even if I had, like, kind of stumbled upon it, it probably wouldn't have got me. But uh, Cheapy D put on Twitter that, you know, his – he was like – uh. This is this was probably like the greatest April Fool's joke that cheap ass gamer has ever done or whatever. Uh, he's because he's gotten so much mail response to it. But basically, if you're a member of Cheap Ass Gamer and you were to go to log in on April first, like the top story of the day would be that you were a like using your name and stuff and looking like a real news post. You were uh, under investigation for selling stolen goods. Yeah. So. Um, and uh, so I I mean I wouldn't have got even if I had stumbled upon it I wouldn't have tricked me because I don't really do much like selling or trading on cheap ass gamer right uh so i've been like that that's weird um but <laughs> it was just, like april I, fool haha yeah i i mean i found it comical and one of the tags for the story was like it it puts your name like so sort of like mine was riven as a douchebag as the tag and i thought that was really funny um <laughs> but uh yeah i wasn't really the victim and like that was probably the only one that like i found that was kind of kind of comical and fun and interesting or whatever uh google had its you know uh lost their vowels or whatever so oh yeah and they also changed their site name to topeka because to, topeka, topeka which changed had... his name to google is that true did topeka really change his they name they changed their name to google to you know to get attention for the whole uh google broadband thing that they're trying to yeah well megaband okay <laughs> so that was just like a short-lived promotional thing they yeah really they, their name changed... is not google kansas right now okay like I didn't know if that was part of the April Fool's joke or if Topeka really did that. Yeah, they did that like um, two months ago or last okay. month or something like that. Sorry, I don't pay attention to Google. I, I didn't know either until I read because <laughs> I when I read the description of Topeka, yeah, I clicked on the link that linked to the news report that said that Topeka, Kansas changed their name because of the to get attention. Right, I I do I went to that link too and I glanced over the news report, but I didn't realize it was like that part was serious too. <laughs> anyway, uh. So yeah, uh, I saw a few April Fool's jokes, but nothing like I said from the cheap ass gamer. Nothing like super funny. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a short lived conversation. Go ahead and wrap up the show. Well, if we or need a I... short lived conversation because I'm pretty sure you don't have much time left to record. Uh, eighteen, nine, seventeen minutes. Excellent. So, um, where can people find you on the internet, sir? 
You can find me on Facebook.com slash Riven, mm-hmm. YouTube.com slash Riven, or Twitter.com slash Riven, since we're now all using Twitter. We can find you on anything.com slash Riven, hopefully. Everything except for Xbox fucking oh, bullshit yeah. Xbox. Bullshit Xbox. <laughs> um, you can. Oh, uh, uh, real quick, sure. I'll just say, uh, Again, I just want to promote that, you know, the Sony Move thing, which I mentioned in this podcast and other podcasts. Uh, you can go see my Sony Move video on Facebook. There it is on YouTube, but it's just a teaser video. Uh, so if you really want to see uh, my impressions and detailed stuff about Sony Move, go to Facebook and watch my Sony Move video. Go ahead with what you were saying. Sure. Uh, you can find me on the internet and my hair, as Austin would say, at xlm2k.blogspot.com. I am actually updating the bitch now. Uh, I have a, a little mini solo reel. And is Al going to have to update a bitch? Huh? I said, is Al going to have to update a bitch? Al's going to have to update a bitch. Uh, so I added a little solo reel from practice that was uh, actually last night, which would be April 2nd. Um, I also added a little sneak peek of what my band Roca Fuerte is doing for uh, our second album, which, you know, we're still in the middle of recording our first album. Um and I have uh, some outtakes from recording this first album, which I will have a part two and I believe a part three um, really soon once I finish editing the videos and enough time has passed by such that I can feel comfortable with posting it and whatnot. Um, I, you can follow me on Twitter. Please follow me on Twitter. Uh, D Red Mage is the letter D Red Mage, or you can say Dread Mage, D R E D M A G E. Um, Oh, I just got that. Ah, yeah, see? It's a double entendre <laughs> of sorts. Uh, let's see. We have TryGames.net, of course, our home site. Austin is working on reviews. I believe he is close to finishing his Assassin's Creed 2 review and had uh, tweeted about possibly uh, doing another review and asking what that review should be. Uh, we'll find out later, I suppose. We have DrFishyPants.com, front of the site, Brian Fishman. Uh, he's a doctor, well, going to be a doctor, and uh, he loves fish, and he's got pants. Uh, what else do we have? Come on, help me out here. Help me out. Um, um, what what else pants, do we have? Try Games, I, uh, Facebook. I think that's pretty much it. Mailbag? Mailbag at, at TryGames.net. Email us, please. Uh, or I, just send us Twitter questions. Or you can send us too. Twitter questions, too, since all three of us are on Twitter. Uh, you can send find... us tweaks. That's what I'm gonna call. Yeah, them. send us tweets. Uh, you got Riven. Tweaks. 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 Like, yeah, tweaks. Tweaks. Twitter, Twitter questions. Tweaks. Ah, with a Q. Tweaks. Tweet quiz. Yes. Uh, tw- <laughs> <laughs> that would be uh, D Red Mage, Riven, and Mr. Chupon, uh, with an O, not a zero. If you are a uh, GameSpot fan, um, and you can also find Austin. GameSpot blog and Giant Bomb blog, uh, just, I don't know, search for his name, uh, M-R-C-H-U-P-0-N, I believe, yeah, so, uh, sign us out, Mr. Uh, Mr. Host. Okay, real quick, before I sign us out, I just want to say that until last night, I always thought double entendre meant that something, like, the other one was something, like, it was something, and then it could also mean something sexual. I didn't realize it could just be, like, anything. <laughs> well, uh, innuendo d- is the, the sexual double entendre. 
Oh, okay, yeah, that that would make sense. Anyway, because Jez and I were discussing the name Just Cause and what it meant, mm. and, and I was like, yeah, I was like, because you do something and you're like, why'd you do that? Just, just cause. cause. <laughs> or um, why'd you do that? I have Just Cause. Exactly. So anyway, uh, yeah, so I just want to say that real quick. And for Al! Uh, yeah, D-Red Mage is out. <laughs> and for me, uh, my final statement, because I'm closing myself out, will be, don't fear the tray catch-up! And that, that's it. Oh, the tray catch-up. Hang on a second. Can you go answer that? Uh, this is totally, I don't know if Allison will edit this, but our, our doorbell just rang. So no, it's, it's not it. going to be edited at all. Trust me. Okay, <laughs> awesome. Um, I don't know why our doorbell is being rung, but whatever. Uh, so anyway, uh, it's it's not gonna be edited at all. It's it's not gonna be edited at all. Trust me, trust me, trust me. That wasn't edited. Trust me. That wasn't edited. Trust me. That wasn't edited. Trust me. Edited, edited, edited. Trust me, trust me, trust me. I bet, I bet, I bet, I bet, I bet you that he's that he's that he's. I bet you that he's just gonna slap this up, slap this up, slap this up, slap this up. It better be edited, edited, edited. Fuck you guys, I hate you. Oh, I'm brushing my teeth now. Oh, I'm doing my hair now. The shittiest podcast since the first one.